0: If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321. Give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast.
1: My name is Marla Neighbor, and I am a Connections Pastor here at Humanity Church, and I'm also one of the communicators. Let me pray for our time together today. Lord, you have... And so present this morning. It's been really um, inspiring and uh, heart melting to watch how, the moment we incline ourselves to you, you come rushing in with all of your love and all of your providence. And that is not unique to this moment, but these moments where we actually stop what we're doing and hear your voice feels rare, not because it's not always available, but because, I don't know, like we get caught up in other stuff, and I'm just asking that by your grace, by your mercy, that this would be a moment that lasts, that this would be a moment that transforms, that this would be a moment that wakes up and alerts us to a thrilling future that would change how we live from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. We are on week three of a series called Influencers, and it's been so fun and so good, and we've been diving into the chapter of Hebrews 11 and looking at the folks that we call the heroes of the faith. Those who are known to this day, that we stand on stages and speak their name and speak of the ways that our faith and our character and our futures have been shaped as a result of the choices that they made in their own lives. And in this day and age, our, as Nathan has mentioned before, our currency these days that we deal in is influence. That's how we relate, that's how we talk, that's how we move. And so we wanted to use this time to dive into what made these guys stand out, these ladies, these men who actually were representatives of this greatest area of influence. What did they do that earned them the right to speak into our lives today? And how does God move in those same ways with us? And so we get to jump into the story of Noah today. Noah. So, I mean... No matter what your faith background is, I'm assuming that at some point you have heard about Noah and the ark. Ark. We talk about it. We uh, have it painted on children's nursery walls. We uh, read it to our, it's kind of one of those things that we relate often that story with children because at times, you know, like kids know the David and Goliath story and Noah, like those are like one of the two main Uh, conversations that we have around Noah. And I don't think we give Noah enough credit. And we're going to dig into his story and find out exactly why that is, that it is so much more than just a children's story and that it's something that can actually shape who we become from here forward. So we're going to delve right into uh, his story and the origin of it at Genesis. The book of Genesis, starting in chapter 6, verse 5. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I have created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's some serious stuff. There's a lot of gravity at this moment in history. This is a very ominous moment in history. And the author of this passage, as he was telling the story of Noah, he repeats several times leading up to the actual event of the ark that this was a deeply evil, entrenched, uh, corrupt society where not one, not one was inclined towards good that everyone was inclined towards evil, that there was wickedness rampant among the entire earth, apart from Noah. And this is the children's story (laughs) that we tell. And that's the background of that moment. And it's important to note that that is the context that sets up the direction that God was headed at that time. But for Noah. I don't know if you can imagine with me for a moment around what that must have been like to be in a time where children were being sold into slavery, where men and women were being trafficked for their own pleasure, for others' pleasure, where people were being used, where corruption and theft and looking out, for themselves was the number one priority. I don't know if you can imagine something like that. I don't know if you can imagine a world where the utmost priority was me and mine and not anyone else, and that I will use you and abuse you and do whatever it takes to get what I need and what I want in that moment. We can see how this is not a new conversation, at least not in the sense that evil has been accessible to us for all of time. And in the middle of that, as I was reading this, um, just sitting with the reality that as Nathan mentioned in Enoch's story last week around how Enoch gave God pleasure, that God delighted In him, that he actually felt something inside of his own spirit that Enoch had the influence to create pleasure and delight and enjoyment for God because of how he chose to walk with him, that we so often are um, more inclined to see God as, I I don't even know if I can re-imitate it for those who were here last week, Nathan's like lamb photo with children around, you know, on our paintings with Jesus. We want to think about him as love and as this this guy who welcomes the little children and holds the lambs. And we want to think about him as angry. It's usually not anything in between. It's like, okay, God is love. Okay, got it. And God is angry. Usually those are the two extremes that we hold him in. And we were told and we looked and saw in the scriptures that God actually can get delight and enjoyment from how we choose to live our life. And in the same way, God can be grieved. He can weep over our choices. He can weep over the lost potential and the dreams that he had for us when we were created by him, and the beauty and the futures and the untold stories that he had in his heart as he formed us and called us into being, that it grieves him deeply to watch us squander all of that potential for what he knows we would love to step into if we only knew. And I also believe that God gives us complete freedom, complete and utter freedom. Now, that's great news, and that's also the bad news. Both of those things are true because there are moments when we use our freedom to influence humanity to that greatest version of life and love and goodness that is made possible through partnering with God. And then, of course, there are... Other times where we use that freedom to choose things that bring destruction and hopelessness and corruption and that wickedness that ran rampant during that time that Noah was around at this time. Now, that's some real freedom, but that also comes with real grief, and as a father, as a good father, he chooses the freedom and chooses to endure the grief because he allows us to step into our own futures and feel the weight of what those choices create for us. Now, this was not the humanity that God had in mind. This was not the future he envisioned. This was not the hope on his heart. And God was ready to call the show, but Noah. And he looked over the earth and he saw Noah. And Noah had favor in his eyes. One man, one man influenced God and his creative ability to imagine a future that kept going, a humanity that was then possible to have and go again. The, the massive do over, earth makeover. 101, the biggest version of what's possible with Noah because Noah made a choice to live his life in a way that would turn God's head and impact the fact that you and I are sitting here in this theater watching online today. Now, we think about Noah and the ark, but I'm going to ask you to consider that The ark is a blip in Noah's story. It's a very important blip, but it is a blip in Noah's story because how that was one moment that came after many, 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 many years of of him choosing and walking and following God. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, I do this quite often because I'm very arrogant. <laughs> I've realized, <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you're you're watching someone do something profound. Like everyone else, it's like oh, all the oohs and ahs, you know. Maybe it's a sports thing. Maybe it's a podcast you listen to. Maybe it's a coworker that you're watching shine, and you're like, I could totally do that better. <laughs> like, I, I could totally do that without even trying, you know. Like, like, what's all the hype? Like, I could do that thing. I um, I've I've become a sports documentary junkie. I I mean, I'm not so. I, I grew up going I was in band and Nathan was in theater, okay? So that that just paints you a picture of what our poor children's genetics are set up for in terms of the sports world. But I was on the A team in junior high for basketball. And that was a big deal for me. It like apparently changed the trajectory of my life because now I feel like I am just as good as any athlete out there that has ever existed. <laughs> And if I had not had been forced to choose band over basketball, then I would be that person to this day. And I would be on a very different kind of stadium platform. And I watch these documentaries. There's this one really good one called All or Nothing. And it's on Prime. Go check it out. But when I watch these things, I literally, like this is me. I gave you the context for the background of my life. I am watching these shows and I look at the coach and I'm like, oh my gosh, I would make such an amazing coach. I would be so good at that. And then I look at the players and this is where my brain goes, oh, I would kill. I would crush people. Like if I lived my life in such a way that I had gone towards the sports world, I would totally take them out in football. (laughs) And let me just bring it home to something a little more actually practical. So pandemic, everyone's trying to figure out how to get their hair cut, right? You know, it's like you're either uh, somehow getting your hairstylist phone number and or meeting someone in a dark alley, you know? And, and so I'm watching all these YouTube videos about how to cut hair because my boys look atrocious. And I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so easy, so easy. So first time, first time it got shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and eventually shaved because no success first time. I'm like, well, that must have been a fluke. I totally have this. I could do this better than any of these people on YouTube. Second time I'm in and I'm like, oh my gosh, it actually looks really good. And then he turns his head and I realize the whole other side is like completely jacked up. So that was a fail. Third time, Nathan's like, give me the shears. Give me the shears. Like you will not touch our boys' heads. And I think that there are moments like that where we watch these heroes, where we see these epic moments, where we uh, read the story of Noah or the heroes of the faith, and we're like, I could do that. If I was there in that moment, I would have caught that baby from six stories high. i totally that person, right? But the thing is, we're not always the right person because those athletes could tell you that those games that we watch, those highlight reels, they are about 2% of the time and the effort and the energy that they put in to being the person they needed to become to actually have that moment turn out. I can tell you that there are hairstylists that I personally know who have dedicated their lives to this craft for decades to be able to give that five minute little boy's haircut that costs $40 because they have practiced for that moment. And Noah was the right person for this moment in history. And he could not have been that person had he not invested that time with the Lord. Let's jump back into that story in verse nine of Genesis six. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless among the people of his time. Imagine the influence the people could have had, but he was blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all the people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are going to build it. And then he continues to give him very specific instructions from there. So here's what we know about Noah. He was blameless and he walked with God. He was a righteous man. This is who Noah was. This is who he was at that instant. Every day he woke up and he chose, and that is the man that he was. It wasn't like, whoops! We're in a major situation here and God's looking for somebody like, okay, I gotta get my act together. I gotta floss my teeth because I'm going to the dentist today. (laughs) Haven't been doing it for a year, but it wasn't like one of those moments where he just snapped into being a hero of the faith. He had put his time and effort. And how often do we find ourselves in these daily, daily choices that are going to shape the person that we become and we're usually alert to them after the fact. I am never gonna drink that much again. (laughs) Next time I am going to work that situation at work way better (laughs) than I just did. Or I'm done with these terrible eating habits. Or I'll never date anyone like that again. famous last words or the things that we just put off or we dread or we discount like I'll just stop ignoring that thing that I know I need to do and next next Monday next Monday for sure or I'll s- totally start prioritizing my faith for myself and for my family when all of our schedules line up or Maybe one day when the stars align, I'll make my relationships a priority, my friendships, my marriage, my kids. But then there are times in life that are much bigger moments that hit us sideways, a crisis, a great moment of need, an exciting opportunity, a big risk that we're invited into where there is a chance to be the person who steps up to the plate. And if you ask someone, just ask someone, like what are the what are the 3 or 4 defining moments of your life that shaped you that you had choice in? What are those for you? It might be a career opportunity, might be a death in the family, a move, a marriage, a child, it might be a big decision but The choices that we make in those moments at the fork in the road seem to decide what direction our life takes from that moment forward. They seem to shape and inform our entire futures. But that does not seem fair because when those moments come, they feel like an earthquake They swallow you whole. They shake you up from the inside. They're unexpected. There's very little warning. And they just come and they knock you off your feet. So Texas is my homeland, if you didn't know, y'all. And (laughs) Texans are horrified of earthquakes. We hear about California and we're like, how do they do it? How do they live there? How do they live in a place where you can just all of a sudden have an earthquake out of nowhere? We're over here like getting ready for Hurricane Hillary like 10 days in advance and everyone's stocked up and we're like ready to go because we have warning because it's a hurricane because we're probably more horrified horrified of the hurricanes here than we are of them in Texas. But earthquakes, they, they they just come out of nowhere and they swallow things up and whoever you are is who you are. But it seems like we are at the mercy of our circumstances. That they hit us like an earthquake out of nowhere. And it is what it is. And these circumstances seem to define us in these moments. But it's actually us that define the moment. It is us who get to define the moment. Because everyday little moments, everyday little moments of feeling like you are a victim to your circumstances. Or everyday little moments of being unwilling to partner with the lord to master the thing that has you every day it's like popping a little pill of despair it's like yep just gonna pop that pill of despair just gonna keep taking that oh there's another one. Oh, there's another one yep all throughout the day let's just numb out to that let's just not talk about that let's just learn to love it let's just learn to call it good and i'll just keep taking those pills of despair day after day and then It becomes a way of seeing the world so that when those big moments do hit, you can guarantee the trajectory of where you're going to go in that moment. I mean, how many of you know people, right? Like, they want the job, they pray for the job. Please, Lord, give me a job. They get the job. They're not happy, right? So it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. There is a way of relating that God is calling us into. So here's some questions for you to consider. Who are you becoming right now? Who are you becoming yesterday? What are the choices you made yesterday that are going to impact the future that is being created, not only for you, but for all of the people around you? Who are you training to be? And is the person that you're becoming going to be able to sustain the weight of the moment that is coming your way? The big moment, the big crisis, the big ask, the big risk is the character that's being developed in you right now, going to be able to sustain the moments that are coming. There are a series of moments that when we become the everyday unsung hero, like the person who makes the right choice when no one is looking, the person who sees the good, bad, and the ugly as a gift and sees God's provision in it, the person who listens to God's ways so that when we get hit sideways, what, when there's a, a way of seeing it that's like, okay, this is an opportunity, this is my opportunity, This is the time where I am meant to step up and use all the influence that God has given me and created inside of me and been training me for and that your character is disciplined enough that you are able to choose what's good and right. Your heart is inclined towards the most beautiful future already because you have been training every single day. But typically the heart cry, and this is what happens to me often, God, when is my big opportunity coming? Like when is that, not the bad version of crisis coming, but when's my opportunity coming where I get to shine? And sometimes I think it isn't because God isn't dishing out or wanting to give us great opportunities in the moment, but we haven't been yet willing to submit our own ways to train our character in a way that God can actually trust us with the big things that he longs to give us in those moments. Now, in this moment in history, Noah's big opportunity came and he had the perspective that allowed him to see it and his character was ready to be trusted with it. So much so that one single person on the planet was able to create a possibility in God's mind that was not there before. Now, the scriptures do not say much about what took place in that moment where God asked Noah to build the ark. When he told him to build the ark, it basically says he got a bunch of instructions and he just started building the ark. That's what it says. I mean, he got to work on the things that God asked him to do, down to the details. And he did this for what we know to be 100 years before the rain even came. 100 years of faithfulness where he decided that he would choose to do this thing that God called him into out of an act of faithfulness and walking with him day after day before those rains even hit the earth. Now, if you have any desire to make your life count, if you want to influence your friends, your family, your community, it is an active, daily stance. Who do you want me to be, Lord? Lord? What what are you calling me to in this moment? What are you wanting to shape in me right now in this difficult situation? What do you see as possible in this situation, Lord? Your life will not accidentally become awesome. Your life will not accidentally become ready to be the right person when your big moment hits. LeBron did not get to where he was is now because he was on autopilot, right? It's not just like doing what you want and then getting the big moment of a lifetime and then saying, God, where are you? Do something in me quick. I need you. You know, in, in conversations with people, um, this, these, there's two things that most often come up as I'm talking to folks, coaching folks. One is, you know, I just, I just need to know what God wants me to do what does he want? What does God want me to do? And then the second one is where? Where does God want me to go? Those are the two most common questions. And I don't know if you're gonna like this answer because I don't know if God cares what job you have. Honestly, I don't know if God, I don't know if God actually cares what college you pick. I don't know if he actually cares about those things. I mean, at a minimum, what I can say with confidence is that I know he's not nervous that you're gonna choose the wrong thing and like mess up the whole plan he had laid out for your life, Um, but he does care about who you are becoming. He does very much care about who you are. Becoming, because as you become someone who follows his voice, as you are shaped, as your character is formed, as you persevere in faithfulness, you will influence the world. You will influence everyone around you, including those closest to you, and your life will naturally get elevated as you are the person who is becoming. Become the right person, and you can go wherever the heck you want. I mean, it really simplifies things. And what God says to you as you're following that voice, as you're learning his voice, it will sound crazy at times. Build a boat in the desert? What? What the heck? Build a boat in the desert. That's what he told him. And then he went out and did it. It's not glamorous. It is not glamorous. I mean, we pray... Lord, fix my marriage, and then he responds, get curious, pray for them, love them, serve them, lay your ego down, lay your pride down, be willing to do whatever it takes to sacrifice for the sake of that union. And we say, that is crazy. Crazy. And our friends definitely say, that's crazy. We say, Lord, please solve my finances. And then God says, be a generous person. Give. Now that, that is crazy. To be a generous person? What what are you talking about? We say, Lord, calm my anxiety. And then he says, you know what? I want you to think of the scariest places and let's go straight into them. Let me take your hand and let me show you how incredible I am and how much I am going to supersede the father of lies and this fear that has a hold on you. And I'm going to show you how good I actually am. And I'm going to take you into the riskiest places that you are terrified of. God is saying, I have a bigger, better, more beautiful way for you to follow. Go and build the boat. And one nail, one plank at a time, one day after day after day after years after decades, he will prove how faithful he truly is. Sometimes we just need to build the dang boat (laughs) in preparation for the moment that God is preparing you for. He knows, he knows what you need. He has dreams for you that would horrify you because they're so big and so crazy and so beautiful. And he's saying, build the boat. I mean, can you imagine how Noah felt in year two? Like year two, I'm like, dude, I'm building this boat. Like, what's up? Like, where's the rain? Year five? Like, here is a very, very serious question. What if he had stopped in year 99? <laughs> what if in year 99, he's like, I've been faithful, man. Like, what the what the heck? Like, what is this? I have been faithful for 99 years and nothing? Like, what is happening here? Did I even hear him right? But then, <laughs> 100 years in, I mean, I just like, I literally, this week, I spent time meditating on like, what did that look like to wake up and see the elephants coming your way? <laughs> like in year 100, you know, like when the animals are like making their way to the ark and when it starts to sprinkle, like, wow. I mean, what, what did that feel like for him? You know, you might, you might be tempted. You might be really good for a minute. For some of us, that perseverance, that faithfulness, you know, maybe we're good for a few days. Some of us weeks, some of y'all are awesome. Y'all go months and you're like, I'm doing good. But then you're like, I don't know about this. Like, these circumstances are against me. These are intense things. These are, this is the real stuff of life that's hitting me sideways. This earthquake that came out of nowhere. And I've been doing really good. And maybe you translate that to God must also be against me. And it's easy to go that direction. But I'm telling you, if you keep seeking him, if you keep walking with him, there is going to be a day. There is going to be a moment where that narrative is going to get flipped on its head, and it's probably going to start with a flipping inside of you where you see the world differently. You see him everywhere. You see him in the, in, the, in the most terrible moments. You see God's provision. You see his hand. You watch him as he walks you through those terrible, terrible moments. You see the moments that that excite you to no end that you're gonna like pee your pants because you're like, woo, this is the thing and I'm about to do the thing. And you're watching God, like all that time that you were called to be faithful, you realize, oh my gosh, it was all for this. It was all for this moment. And then you realize that you have the wind of the creator of the universe at your back. You cannot lose. You cannot lose when you are following him in that way. Now, here's the thing. Because there are two moments of influence that feel the most terrifying. Okay? You ready for this? The first one is when you take the first step. When you're like, okay. You know, I'm stepping into the water. I'm doing it. I'm saying this out loud. Some of you guys did this in our summer series where we asked you questions, and I'm not gonna say forced, but we gave you the invitation to respond to some of those questions. And you're like, woo, I just said that out loud. Like that first step is really terrifying. You know what else is just as, if not more terrifying? When you get the thing you wanted. (laughs) When you get the thing, when you're like, okay, this is what I'm praying for. This is what I'm hoping for. And then you actually have it turn out. Now, Noah walked with God. He made choices. It created his character and who he was shaped, who he became. He was faithful to persevere and those things. And then he was the right man for the moment and the entire fate of humanity rested on this man's choices. We are here today because this man chose on a daily basis. He fumbled his way forward like the best of us, I'm sure, who on a, on a great day are just total screw-ups. And he fumbled his way forward by, the, forward by the grace of God towards this future. And I'm gonna say something that I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, my husband, Nathan, who's not here today, he, he's, he makes me nervous all the time because he says things. He doesn't care what people think. He, like, he just says stuff. I mean, he cares, but he doesn't really care. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so I remember uh, on us, probably in this theater, um, where he said that Noah saved humanity. And I was like, what? Huh? You're not allowed to say that. You're only supposed to use words like that about Jesus. <laughs> like, but what if, what if Noah had said no? What if, what if Noah had said no? What if Noah had not chosen to do the thing that was unpopular compared to the entire 99.9999% of humanity and not gone a different direction? What if, I don't like the idea of that possibility that Noah could have said no. I don't like that. I don't like that the scriptures say that God was ready to wipe out humanity, that there was nothing left, that he regretted it. I don't like that, but let me tell you something. There is something that comes with freedom, that God gives you all the freedom in the world, but he also, and I'm gonna call it a gift, he gives us the gift of the weight of our choices. That when we choose out of that freedom, it will create a very specific type of future, both for us and for our families. And whatever direction that goes depends on the choices. But when you are walking with God, when you are walking with God, there is nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to fear. I'm horrified of screwing up my children. I know it's gonna happen. There is gonna be something. We do adult trainings. We do teen trainings. I see people in the room. Every, every kid has something. Every kid has to. I'm like, I know your parents and your parents are like the best people on the entire planet and you're still messed up because of your parents. Like, I know, I know that our choices have gravity but I don't have to be afraid of that when I am walking hand in hand with the grace of God and the wind of the Lord and Savior at our back. So here's the thing. As we're wrapping up, it says in Genesis 7, I love how the Lord does this. He shuts the door of the ark. So Genesis 7, picking the story back up in verse 13. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, Jepheth, "'Together and his wife and the wives of the three sons "'entered the ark, and they had with them "'every wild animal according to its kind, "'all livestock according to their kinds, "'every creature that moves along the ground "'according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, "'everything with wings. "'Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them "'came to Noah and entered the ark. "'The animals going in were male and female "'of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah.' And then the Lord shut him in. God shut the door and he's like, I've got you. I've got you. You know, like you did all this, I've got you. Now, people come to me, us, humanity, in moments of struggle. And no matter who it is, no matter how long they've been walking with the Lord or not, I, there's just always this little bit of residue in the room. You can, you can feel it where they're waiting for you to say you shouldn't have done this but that is not that is not what's ever occurring over here what's occurring for me is grief the grief just to sit and not rush past and not, not miss the opportunity to grieve what was lost for them for their children for their families for their futures for this is, this is so intense for me. Just the people that they will never know, they will never know that they would have influenced had they not gone the direction they did. Now, now listen to me. I'm not saying that God can't redeem all things, okay? God can redeem all things. He can make all things beautiful at its time, and he will use every last bit of crappy stuff that we have done, and he will knit it together in this incredible, beautiful mosaic. He will. I also don't think that that's like his first preference. I think his first preference would be if we connected with him, walked with him, and stepped into this insanely glorious future that he has for us and for the people that we love. Now, I think we just think we're promised tomorrow. Like, I'll get it together later, I'll get my act together, but we wait and we wait and we wait and we miss out on opportunities that we don't even know to grieve because we never knew that they were actually possible. Now, Hebrews 11, this is where we pick up Noah's story. Hebrews 11, verse seven. By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. But by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with the faith. There's a strange phrase in there. Did you catch it? By faith, he condemned the world. I don't know that I'd wanna be known for that. You know, in Hebrews 11, I'm like, can I, can I do the Enoch thing? Can I be the guy who brought you pleasure and was taken up? Like, be the guy who, by faith, he condemned the world and was righteous as a result of that. Now, here's the thing. Like, community is essential. Groupthink is dangerous. Everyone tends to move towards a central thought because no one wants to stand out And I'm going to tell you how that scripture kind of plays out in real time. I, real quick, had, uh, there was a a gal that I worked with at a nonprofit in my college years. And this this woman was brilliant. She was my age, but I, like, pictured her like a 50-year-old because she was, like, so amazing and brilliant at everything she did. She ran operations for our organization. And I would hang out with her, and then I got to know her friends. And she hangs out with some pretty darn brilliant friends, too. But, man, did they drink man, did they, oh my gosh, I reeked of weed every time I walked away from their house. And I was like, that's cool. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not here to judge. So I just wanted to hang, I just wanted a friend. You know, I'm just like, you're cool. I want to hang out with you. And I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to smoke pot. And so then they're like, well, you too good for us? And I'm like, no, I'm like you smoke pot and you're smarter than me. So I, <laughs> like, who am I? Like, I'm not here to judge, okay? Um, but it had to do with the thing that I wasn't doing, right? The stand I was taking was not one of judgment or anger. It was just, like, oh, I felt this grief that, like, oh, my gosh, like, you do you, girl, but, like, that has results, you know? And, and you're amazing. Like, do you know how amazing you are? You're missing out, And the second that you make a choice to live a life of influence, you will have people who are angry. You will have people telling you that that is the stupidest thing they have ever heard. It will create a stark contrast, but eventually other people will want to be around you because Jesus is real attractive. And people will see the life. They will watch you get elevated. They will watch you rise above. They will watch your life become something beautiful out of ashes. They will see the choices you make in the hardest moments. And they will be drawn to that. And they will be influenced by that. And they may not say it, but they are watching you. And that will influence them greatly. Now, Noah physically saved his family. But Jesus, our one true Savior. He can save physical lives, but He saves us eternally. He saves us for long after death and what's to come. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, when you're walking with Him, when you are partnered with Him, you actually become a part of saving the world together. It's an insane invitation that God would trust us that he would love us, that he would want us to join in with him on saving the world. I mean, isn't that heretical? No, that's, that is what is true. That is like capital T true. That when your life connects with Jesus, people will fall in love with him. People will come to know him. People will elevate their lives and choose something new because of your walk on a day-to-day basis with God. Now, let's just close our eyes for a moment. And some of you, some of you are not yet walking with Jesus. You're like, okay, walk with God, walk with God. Okay, I can, I can absorb that. I can logically understand that. Okay, I'm supposed to do what God says we're supposed to do. But that walk gets catapulted, resurrected, opened up, made alive when your life connects with Jesus himself. And if you have yet to follow him and yet to have a moment, here is your moment. This is one of those big moments. This is an earthquake moment that is gonna hit you sideways today if you have yet to follow him, that if you, right now, if you wanna connect your life to Jesus and that thrilling future, just open your eyes and look up at me right now. If you wanna know him. Awesome. I see you, I see you. Anyone else? those online, you can type in the text, Jesus, reach out to us, put it in the humanitychurch.com slash card, put it somewhere, because it's not a journey meant to be alone. And I want to pray this prayer with you. It's not magic words. You can just talk to God. It doesn't have to sound exactly like this, but let's invite him in together. Jesus, I ask that you would take what is not just the weight of my choices, but the greatest weight of all, that you would take the weight of my sin on your shoulders. And that from this moment forward, you would call me into the beautiful, thrilling, impossible things that are not anywhere close to possible apart from you. And I give my life fully and completely to you In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we leave, I just want you to think, which of these three areas is God have me in right now? Does he have your character forming? Are you in a space where you're like, okay, I need some major work on my character right now. I need the Lord to call me in to a different way of doing life character. Are you in a faithfulness time? Are you in a a space where you're like, okay, like I'm going on the character thing, I'm I'm moving forward, but man, I I need some faithfulness. Man, I keep getting interrupted. Man, I just, I need the grace of God to carry me through a day-to-day choosing no matter how long it takes. Maybe you're in a time of faithfulness. Or are you in a time where God is asking you to feel the full weight of your choices and to allow yourself to make the connection between your day-to-day faithfulness and the way that that weight carries out to all of the people around you because he has a moment coming for you and you feel it and you know it, maybe you're in it and you're like, I'm ready, I need Jesus, I need to, Feel the full weight of my freedom so that I treat each choice as sacred. Character, faithfulness, the weight of your own choices. That's the thing I want you to take away. Which one are you in? Ask God. If you don't know, ask someone else. Have them join with you in that conversation. Got it? Awesome. Lord, what a gift. What a gift that we are living and breathing and alive as a result of one man's choosing. May we be that person, Lord, that is not a radical thought with you. You are asking all of us to be blameless, to walk with you, to know your voice, and to be the influence that you're calling us to be on the world. Allow us by the grace of your, just your nature, And how merciful and giving you are, Lord, allow us to fumble our way into daily choices that will not only get us out of our messes, but that will elevate us to the most beautiful, life-giving futures to wake up to. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.